everyone. Welcome to The Mindful Chef, Chef Lisa Barnett. And I am so excited today. I turned my heater on (laughs) for the first time in probably a year. Thankfully, um, the temperature has dropped and we are officially in fall. And for you guys who don't know, I live in California in Stockton and we have really warm summers. So it has been a lot of heat happening and I was eager for the change of season, hoodie weather and sweaters and boots. So very, very happy. Um, Today, I wanted to extend the conversation of um, food trauma to specifically talk about how parents use food as a discipline tool. Um, I have been reading and watching and discussing a lot with a few folks, and this is something that is not going away. So I wanted to come and talk a little bit about... um, how it's happening, why it's happening, and how we can change the narrative in our own families if you are experiencing that. Or maybe you are a parent who's doing it and you're really not aware that you are. Um, In my last podcast, I addressed food trauma and and to say that um, our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, they made certain decisions about food based on scarcity and all of the other things that were happening around them. And we're no different, but I think that right now in 2020 we might have some tools that they didn't have at their disposal so it's time for us to unpack our food trauma and our and and begin to really um, heal our relationship with food so that we can move forward so that we can raise our children in a more empowered state as um, they are given choices that we weren't privy to have. Um, So one such um, thing that, one thing I wanna talk about while we're in this space is also um, the need to like buy in bulk. I know this isn't going to be a popular um, comment or concept for some people, but I need for you guys to rethink purchasing food in bulk. And the reason is because, number one, the types of foods that can be purchased in bulk generally are the shelf-stable, non-perishable foods, which all are not bad, all are not problematic, Um, Most of us have packages and cans of things in our cupboards, and it's not a bad thing to have them. But what I continue to see over and over online is um, a series of memes and conversations and frustrations that parents are feeling because their children are sneaking snacks and they're eating too many of the snacks that the parents purchased in bulk and they have these full-on snack cabinets that are full of what could be considered junk food. 
And, and I say it that way because there's a time and place for everything. And I do have snacks in my house, but, um, because they're not nutrient dense, because they're not good for us, I don't purchase a lot. And I know that it is cheaper to purchase in bulk, but we are either going to continue to have this problem because we want to save a few dollars or we're going to evolve and understand that um, some behavior should be changed for the greater good. And this is a part of the discussion around food trauma because it is directly connected to our grandparents. I, um, when I was little, I remember the pantry always being full. We always had a lot of food in the house. It wasn't until I was an adult that I realized that um, we were food insecure despite having a pantry full of food. And that's because the definition of food insecurity is lack of access to healthful, nutrient-dense food. The majority of items in the cupboards were There was peanut butter, there were canned vegetables, um, but there were top ramen noodles, there were chips, there were crackers, there were all of the things that um, you would find in most people's cupboards, but none of the things that I have continued to purchase anymore. Um, There were lots of those things, and because our family was big, there were four kids, and my two parents and my family always had friends and family over. Our house was always full of people. Our cupboard was always full. I didn't recognize that a lot of the food that we were given, um, well, I didn't know we were food insecure and food being food insecure and having a full cupboard sounds like an oxymoron to people. But the reality was that the majority of the food that we had was either through food stamps or um, through food lines for many, many years. Um, it wasn't until I was probably in high school that I saw just how much my parents spent on food. And when I tell you we would go to the grocery store every single week and spend a few hundred dollars and I would go with mama so that I could choose the snacks and all of the other things um, and have an influence on what was in the house. Um, yeah, she'd spend a couple hundred dollars every week on food and it was just the norm. But that came from her mother, not just the need of nourishing and feeding four children, um, but it came from our mother being a depression era mother, my grandmother, um, who had full pantries. Even when I was a young one, I'd spend the summers with my grandmother. She ate out a lot. She didn't cook or eat, um, cook very much at home by the time um, I was young. She ate out a a lot, but the cupboards were always full of food, (laughs) always. There was hardly any cooking happening in that house, but there was always food in there. Um, And I noticed that when I got married and it was just my husband and I, I did the same thing. Like every week I go grocery shopping and I'd spend the same amount of money despite having full cupboards and a somewhat full freezer, literally 
spending a lot of money just for two people. And while I cooked a lot, we still went out to eat and everything. So there wasn't a need to really fully restock everything. But I felt like that's what you do when you make groceries, right? You restock, you fully restock everything. So my house with just the two of us looked like we were feeding a small army. Everything was packed, 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 packed. Um, And that continued on after I had children. And then enters in this space of they're eating all the things. And then I'm going to the store for all the things every single time. And it wasn't until we were really, really broke and couldn't afford to move that way anymore and do it that way. And we had to consider eat what you got at home mindset that um, this buying in bulk, this packing out of sorts is not beneficial to anyone in the household. Why? Because we ate three times the amount of snacks that we should be eating because it was always there and it was this need that it had to be there, first of all. But there was also no budget concerns, no budget constraints, no conscious spending in that it was just, I'm going to spend $200 whether I really need to spend $200 or not, just because that's what we do. So seeing all of the the memes and the having the conversations and discussing with parents their frustrations behind their kids eating up all the snacks uh, all the foods and them having to replace things all the time and being frustrated you know my first thought was buy less snacks like seriously they're snacks you don't need them and if people are hungry what do they do make a meal make a meal if you're hungry eat a piece of fruit you know I tell parents to stop buying juice do you know how much money you spend in juice every two weeks eat the fruit stop buying the juice the juice is unnecessary it adds it adds no value to your health it tastes good so we became a water only household at some point because it was like they just guzzle all the juice all the time and wouldn't drink the water as much as we wanted them to drink water. So we get juice or soda for like if I do brunch on the weekends and I want to like have orange juice or apple juice with a big, big breakfast or something. That's when we get it. We get soda on Friday when we order pizza. It's not that it's never present. It's just that there's a more conscious way to move about and do it so that it is mindful to your health as well as mindful to your pockets. You know, um, because what's happening, what I'm seeing is that when the parents are complaining to their children about what they're eating, they're creating a toxic soup of shame surrounding food for the child. And it's not the food's fault. It's not the child's fault. It's the parent, you're in control. You control what comes in your house. You determine what's a need and what isn't. And even if you never wag your finger and say anything that you think is particularly triggering, just know that the child will remember that mom had something to say, dad had something to say about how many snacks were eaten, how long the juice lasted and all these other things. So there's this undertow, undercurrent 
of shame and guilt surrounding food choice that is later expanded as they age and go into puberty and maturity that they have to eat their snacks in secret because they don't want anyone to know that they have consumed as much as they did, um, that they have to work it off. Because sometimes parents, without even realizing they'll do it, they'll be like, you ate all of this crap, now go play outside, go get some exercise in because you just put all of that stuff inside your body and we need to make sure that you balance it out. It's this full circle situation that we don't recognize until it's too late. And then I enter the room and I say, excuse me, I put my finger up and I say, I'm sorry, but you might wanna consider doing this a different way. But people aren't always open to the suggestions (laughs) of someone who they feel is an outsider on the outside looking in you know but it's the truth listen save yourself the time the heartache the money the dental bills and all the difficult conversations with your doctor when you take your child for checkups and they go, oh, the child's weight, what are they eating at home? All of these things are so stressful when the reality is that it's a small conscious choice and decision to make that will change the trajectory of the lives of everyone in your household. How do I do it? Because I don't believe in just telling people what they should do without giving them tools. How do I do it? I go grocery shopping weekly. I buy one family size bag of chips, a box of crackers, and cookies or some other treat like that. It's something usually like that where they get salty and sweet. So there's popcorn, there's chips, there's crackers, um, cookies or brownies or anything like that. And I buy what I deem is enough to last for a week. Just one package of each. Since I don't police the children and what they eat, how often they go into the kitchen to to make plates and things like that, um, it's up to them. I have instructed, excuse me, I have instructed them and taught them uh, to look at the uh, nutrition facts labels of anything that they consume in a mindful way, not in a policing and counting how many of a thing that you eat and measuring or anything. What I want them to become aware of is the mindfulness of what's being put inside their bodies. So I've taught them how to read the nutrition facts label so that they can see what, how much sodium, how much sugar, salt, fat is in a thing but also the ingredients label. Like what are the things that they can pronounce and what are the things they can't? So that they are aware that when they are making a decision to ingest a thing, they know what they're ingesting. Um, And as they grow older in age, they can make up their minds and make decisions about how and what they eat with that level of empowerment, right? Again, they're 12 and 16. So I started them reading the nutrition facts labels a couple of years ago um, because to them a serving of cookies was like six cookies and I said well according to the manufacturer it's three 
So you just ate double the amount of what a serving is. But be mindful. You can eat six cookies. Go ahead and have the six. But just know two things. Know that that package of cookies will go faster than you probably want it to go. And I'm not replacing it before I go back to shop on grocery day. That you could have um, an adverse feeling because you've eaten too much of something. So that could either mean that you can't do number two or you do too much number two. That's always my marker for <laughs> for everything. Can you go to the bathroom or not? Like, that's how you know if a thing is cool. Um, so they have, and that's part of their level of understanding. Like, I might need some more vegetables because the number two I had wasn't quite where it needed to be. <laughs> But there's a sense of awareness, right, that we're building in this process that I think is important to understand. That sense of awareness, like, okay, the manufacturer intended for this to be a, a serving size, and I've eaten double that. So not just looking at the calorie count, but also knowing that I've put this much sugar in my body, I've put this much sodium in my body, and I've put these ingredients, whether I can read them and understand them or not, I know I am aware of what I am doing with me and I am paying attention. Um, so the only thing that we ask the kids to do is not take the last of something without like conferring with the rest of the household. Like, hey, did anybody want this last thing here? And if no one wants to fight you for it, then it's yours. Um, but generally, you know, they go in and they do their thing. It's not something that um, we police. Um, the only thing I do is for dinner, if I notice that they have had a heavier load of junk food and things like that, I lighten up dinner. That's what I'll do. I will lighten up dinner in a heartbeat. We'll be meatless. We'll be low carb, whatever. So that there is balance because I believe that there's always a place of balance. You know, we can, the mindfulness of eating and the mindfulness of food trauma is understanding that you're, you're a banking system. There's debits and credits in your heart and body and spirit and in your mind and what you put in and what you get out it's all like this ever flowing scale all this you know the up and down to be able to um, really internalize those things and just become fully aware of you you know and and is a is a thing that in many households you know you are not supposed to be aware of you you should set your sights on other things and Particularly if you are in a religious home, it's always about the greater, it's always about the the religious path and focusing on that, that I feel like sometimes we get away from, you know, understanding that not only is it acceptable to look at yourself, to examine yourself, to be conscious of yourself, but it also is important that you do. There needs to be an awareness and we can't get awareness from someone giving it to us. It has to be developed within ourselves. So to raise our children with that awareness, we have to start to embrace that awareness as well. We have to say, instead of subscribing to diet culture and, and being on a diet, we have to accept, okay, I didn't eat very many vegetables in the last three days and 
my last bathroom trip was uncomfortable. So now I'm going to get some roughage in and I'm going to make this decision not as a punishment for doing something bad or choosing, making bad food choices because a choice is a choice, you know, um, if we continue to assign good and bad, then there's always going to be that tug of war. What we really should be doing is, you know, considering, you know, everything has its place. So yes, get the snacks. Just don't get so many that you get upset if somebody goes in the kitchen and like eats it all. You know, like, honestly, my grocery bill has lightened not filling my pantry every week not packing out my fridge every single week like looking at the fact that you know one week they don't want the bananas and the next week the bananas don't last 24 hours like it's a thing it's little people have moods just like we do they are in the mood for certain foods sometimes and sometimes they're not you know and I think that is also something that's lost when you're parenting you don't understand that you have little humans not just children they're humans with every single emotion every dream every hope every desire that you currently carry they have it they were born with it and They just need the tools to know how to maneuver it because we're adults, we know. But they're kids. We have to nurture that. We have to cultivate it, you know? So stop getting upset when they drink all the juice. Just stop buying juice. Like, seriously. I mean, really, it is so much simpler than so many people make it. You know, um, if you want juice, get your juice. But understand nobody needs it you know so why keep creating this space in your in your budget and your heart and your mind for such irritation to happen because you bought the snacks and they ate them all like first of all some of y'all covered too many it's too much too much <laughs> you know one day my dad came over after I made the switch to not packing out he was like where's all the food and I was like we have exactly what we need for the week now we're in a pandemic so things are a little bit differently now we might need some emergency I have some emergency stores um, but nothing like the way it was before because it just becomes chaotic when you have too much I've been culling from every corner of my house and just getting rid of things because that energy that these things hold in the space in your environment, it just makes me feel like the walls are closing in and we're already spending more time in these walls than we have in a very long time. So you don't want to make it even worse. But if your goal is to raise conscious children, who are aware of food and nutrition and have a love for nourishing themselves, start to work on you. Start to understand your behaviors. Start to understand your parents' behaviors. And start to you know, think critically about, is this a need? Is this necessary? Does it really matter if I do X, Y, and Z? Because 
that level of freedom over and it's exciting to choose one a couple of things as a treat you know um, we switch it up we get interesting sometimes you know and they get excited when it's a different cookie or ice cream or you know something different that um, can appeal to them and yeah, sometimes they eat a bunch of it in a short period of time. Sometimes they, they drag it out through the week and they savor it. But that's all a part of raising conscious, mindful eaters, allowing them to go through that process. And I think the reason why we don't have more children who are like that is because mom and dad ain't. You still beating yourself up over eating that slice of pie because you broke your diet. You following keto. You're following these plans. You are listening to the rhetoric. You have subscribed to diet culture, so you can't. You can't teach your children to do something different because you are in the middle of something yourself. So it's all about you know, understanding your parents, your grandparents, yourself, and then bringing that full circle for your kids so that everybody can be freed from this this bondage of, of food trauma. The roots are deep. They're very, very deep. It's a very windy, long road, but it's possible. It's possible to pull yourself out. It's possible to recognize behaviors and shut them down. It's possible for you to be like, you know what? I choose not to participate in diet culture. Choose that by only listening to people who actually study food and anatomy and physiology and chemistry and understand how things actually work inside your body because baby the folks y'all following telling y'all that if you drink cold water it's a shock to your system and that you need to turn your body to an alkaline state yeah y'all need to take anatomy and physiology and chemistry to really understand you know there are things that the body does that it's just a remarkable machine, right? The human body is a remarkable machine. And just because some folks have figured out how to, you know, take care of theirs, doesn't mean that the reasoning behind why it works is right. Anybody who eats a large amount of fruits and vegetables, both raw and cooked, in its most simplest forms, those people tend to have better health overall. They do. And it's not because of some magical formula. It's literally because there's life in fruits and vegetables <laughs> and that they are good for you and it's the it should be the cornerstone of our of our diet because it's life affirming. But it's not because you actually can't change the chemical pH of your blood. No. You just fueled your body with the most optimum fuel. You gave it 91. You didn't give it 87. So of course it's going to perform better. 
we have to think critically about these things and not so emotionally but know that when you do make these changes make these shifts when you do start to heal your own relationship with food that you give honor and space to your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents and your ancestors for doing what they could do how they could do it with you in mind even when they made mistakes that you and your children will be better off for it so the takeaway of today's podcast is what stop buying those snacks in bulk I know it's attractive when you go to Costco and Sam's Club all the other places but stop it buy the the meat and the fish and the seafood when it's on sale and freeze it in bulk. Buy staples like rice and beans in bulk. That's what you buy in bulk. Your chips, your cookies, your crackers, your Pop-Tarts, all of that other stuff. Stop it. And stop with the damn juice. You don't need it. Do you know how much money you'll save? Like, if you stop buying the juice. I mean, I just keep thinking back to how much money I used to spend and what I spent it on in the stores. My kids are healthy because there's always fruit in the house. There's always nutrient-dense food. And giving them tools like showing them how to use the air fryer really helps with some of the things, you know. Um, showing them how to use different tools on the stove and in the kitchen so that preparing food for themselves is a beautiful act of independence, autonomy, empowerment, so that when they leave my house, they'll be okay. And that's my goal. They'll know how to provide for themselves. So that's all I got for y'all today. Thank you so much for joining me. Hopefully this was a little enlightening. I'm feeling a little chill right now because the temperature has dropped and I got on my hoodie and I turned the heater on. (laughs) It was 68 degrees in my house. I am enjoying the Christmas of fall today. So thank you. I appreciate you for listening. Till next time. Bye.